Welcome to our Soul Food Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Princeton, West Virginia. Father, we just lift you up as uh, we welcome you here this morning. Thank you that you've brought us this place uh, to just hear from you and to celebrate all that you've done for us. We just lift you up as uh, we open your word that we would have open ears and open hearts, and we would be obedient to what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, I have a little ordered in my chaos today. So... Let's start with Psalms chapter 1. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he'll be like a tree firmly planted with streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff, which the wind drives away, and therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So he starts out the Psalms with a very important word, blessed, which actually can also be translated happy. And that's what we all want. We all want to be happy, right? If you don't, you have a problem. <laughs> okay? We all want happiness in our life. And it seems like it's distant from us sometimes. It's, it can be a challenge. He says, Job says, happy is the man who God corrects. Therefore, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Psalms 32 says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. So the reason for being happy, first, that he loves us. Second, that he corrects us and puts us on the right path. Um, Psalm 34 says, Blessed is the man who... Uh, to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there's no deceit. 
you know, we talked about how uh, we can be deceitful to ourselves in our presentation of of our humility in, in our class this morning. Um, but there's a special blessing when there's no deceit in your heart. Blessed is the man who trusts in him, Psalm 41, and blessed is the one who considers the poor. Proverbs says, uh, blessed are those who keep justice and who do righteousness at all times. Blessed is he um, who watches at my gate and waits at the door. Proverbs 8, 34. And finally, Proverbs 20, the righteous man will walk in integrity and his children will be blessed. You know, we want to be happy and we want our family to be happy. And the result of the way that we behave becomes reflective on our children. And so I think that this opening verse in the Psalms is really, really important, really transitional to your life. That we start out when we worship God. The Psalms are basically the hymnal for the Hebrews. And the whole book is just a celebration of God. And when you come before God, you come with joy because he is offering life. And that's something to celebrate. Blessed is the man who walks. I think we all need to walk. That's good. (laughs) I need to walk more. No, blessed is the man who does not walk. in the counsel of the wicked. You know, this implies that something is happening in your life. You're not stagnant. You're moving. You're doing life. We need to be careful how we're active, how we're walking, how we're living out life. And specifically, who we're listening to as we're doing that. Specifically, the counsel of the unholy, or ungodly, actually, is what the 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 word there. It's not just wicked, but it's it's a different word that's used here um, that implies just ungodly in general. That they're listening the one who is not happy is listening to people who are not godly. And I think that's a good question you need to ask yourself. If you're not happy, who have you been listening to? What counsel have you been taking? What relationships are you putting emphasis on? 
because that counsel can steal your happiness really quickly. Second, you're not going to stand in the path of sinners. You know, first, we're all walking, we're all moving, we're all living life. But the reality is there, there comes a point where we're going to stand for something. You know, Dylan said, you got to serve somebody, right? When we stand up, we are making a choice to be in service to something. There are two ideas here. One is that you stand to hold ground. The other idea is that you've just stopped and you're still and stagnant and your life has become useless. It's not going anywhere. And your joy is stolen. He says, we're not going to stand in that path. And third, he doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. You know, when we start down this path, first we start listening to people around us that we really shouldn't be listening to. And it's not just the wicked. It's not just these people who are obviously evil. It's just people who don't love God. Who are in sin in their lives. Their lives are controlled by sin. And then we sit down with them. And we begin to kind of make fun of the realities of life. That God has said, this is right and this is right and you start losing perspective of truth the people who are happy keep the right perspective and they're not willing to sit down and be stagnant they're not willing to rest in sin And that's one of the problems when sin comes into our life. We stop and we think it's okay to rest in that sin. And God says, I want to change your life from the inside out. And you need to be very careful to examine yourself and say, is there any sin that I need to confess? I want to have happiness in my life I want to have joy in my life and sin will keep you from that finally he says but so he starts out with the negatives it's always good to get the bad stuff out of the way right <laughs> the positive his delight is in the law of the Lord. Where is your delight? Where do you take pleasure? Is it in God's law? Is it in his truth? Or is it in something else? 
because where your pleasure is will ultimately produce a celebration of that thing. And the man who's happy celebrates life. The man who's dead celebrates his death. But for the one who is happy and blessed, his delight is in the law. Now, in this context, the law was, was the Torah. Seems like every time I go over here, it does that. <laughs> the law was the Torah. And up until the New Testament came, that's all they had. So, specifically, the Old Testament. Now, today we have a little bit more than that. Matthew 23, 23 says, uh, you've forgotten the most weightier things of the law. What are those? Justice and mercy and faith. He says, you tithe your cumin and you, you give here and you do this for the temple, but you've missed out on the real power of what the law is about. It's about finding out faith. It's about upholding justice and offering mercy. Romans says that there is a law of faith now. And for us, that's the law that we need to be rejoicing in. The trust in the word of God. In chapter 8 of Romans, it says there is a law of the spirit. It's a, it's a structure that we follow. The person of the Spirit in us, guiding us, directing us, governing us. We have to be sensitive to that. The law of the Spirit versus the law of sin and death. Which is more important? I'd much rather follow the law of the Spirit than the law of sin and death. But in Psalms, they meditated on the law of sin and death because that's all they had. And it reveals that there's a need for something more. And to us, in the same way, as we go back to the Torah, the Old Testament, we say there's so much rules and so much regulation and we can't do it. But God says, I give you a new law. Romans 10 continues that Christ is the end of the law, the fulfillment of the law. Love fulfills the law. And Jesus said, I give you a new law, that you love one another. What's our meditation? In his law, he meditates day and night. The law of bearing one another's burdens. It's a new law of liberty, of freedom. You know, when we meditate on that freedom of the love of God, 
and delight in that, it becomes joy and happiness in your life. When you realize that you put away these other things and you make your life a meditation on that. It's not just every now and then I'll open the Bible and see if there's anything good for me today or this week or this month. It's day and night. They meditate. Joshua 1.8 um, Let me just turn there because I didn't write it down. <clears throat> Joshua 1.8 This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. And here's the catch. So that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, don't tremble or be dismayed? For the Lord of your, your God is with you everywhere you go. When we lose that perspective, we lose happiness. We lose our joy. When we forget that God is with us every moment. When we fail to meditate on the truths of the word we easily lose that perspective Philippians 4 says that we're going to meditate on the things that are pure, holy of good report there's, there'd be any virtue if it's praiseworthy let me just read it so I don't misquote it. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. That's the word meditate. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice. Not just think about it. Put it into action. Do those things. And the God of peace will be with you. It's real hard to be happy <laughs> without peace. <laughs> ah. Well, you guys are not going to fall asleep there. <laughs> the God of peace will be with you. Timothy says, the, Paul says the same thing to Timothy. All these things, keep practicing. Keep meditating on it. Repeat it over and over. And interestingly, this word meditate um, is haga, which is interesting because we use the word haggadah. 
you know, the Passover, the telling story. And it's actually a word that literally means to mumble, to meditate, to, to just mull over and just keep repeating and thinking about. You just keep it in you at all times, morning, noon, night. David says seven times a day will I praise you. I'm going to meditate on your word day and night. It's a continual thing for the person who is blessed, for the person that is happy. That's his meditation, his delight, his pleasure, his longing. It's another word there. Verse 3, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Interestingly, there is a tree planted by four headwaters. It was the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. So there is a picture here of the one who is defined here becomes a tree of life to those around him. He will be like a tree. He'll be like the tree of life. Who is life is Jesus. Who are we supposed to be like? Jesus. If we meditate on him and obey him and are faithful to his word, we become like him. And we're refreshed constantly like the tree planted beside the streams. It's real easy to get parched in life, to get weighed down by the chaos around us. We need that refreshing constantly, the refreshing of the word. And that's why he calls us to meditate on it day and night, continually. And the result is that it will yield its fruit in its season. In Revelation, the tree that's planted yields monthly. But for us, we have a season of yielding. It's not always an easy time in life. Sometimes we go through a winter Sometimes we go through the fall and things seem bleak and they seem dark. And yet there's a promise here that he's going to make a produce, a product in you. 
the righteous are like a tree of life. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He's faithful. This work that's going on to make you like the tree of life, it's not stopping. But you do have a part to play. You have a part to commit yourself to the word of God. And there's a promise with that. The promise is joy and peace. And a promise of yielding fruit. And despite the situations around you, you won't wither. And whatever you do, you'll prosper. The wicked are not so. They're like chaff, which the wind drives away. What's the difference here? One is a tree firmly planted. What's the use of chaff? It's basically a covering for the seed, right? I mean, it's something that needs to be pounded out of the seed that has life. The reality is we all have a little chaff around us that needs pounded out of our lives. And it says we need to be careful not to despise God's correction. We need to allow those things that need to be removed from our life to be driven away by the wind of the Spirit. And be open to that. Because it's all out of love for you. That's why he does that. There's a useless shell around us. Serving a temporary purpose. And it's called the world. And it will pass away. And it will be destroyed. And those who don't serve the Lord will go with it. They will fall away in the final judgment. The result is therefore they won't, the wicked or the ungodly, will not stand in judgment. That is, they're not going to stand when God comes to judge the world. But also, when you understand truth, their judgments, their counsels 
won't stand up when you examine them. They won't be able to be upheld. It'll seem like ignorance to you when your heart is meditating on truth. You can see this in society today. The judgments of the world are very, very lost and very, very deceived. And they won't stand. But the judgments of God will. And the sinner in the assembly of the righteous won't be able to continue there either. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinner in the assembly of righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There's a repeat here. We're not going to stand in judgment. The congregation is usually sitting down. They're not going to be able to sit with the congregation. And God knows the way of the righteous. And he also knows the way of the wicked. Either you are following the way to life, that is, to know God, or you're following the way to destruction, which is apart from God. Turn over to Ephesians with me. I want to parallel what's going on here. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, uh, the prisoner of the Lord entreats you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. You know, it starts out, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Well, how do we walk? Here, he says very clearly, walk in the manner that you are called. With humility, gentleness, patience, showing uh, forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to persevere uh, preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. The way we walk, instead of listening to the counsel of the ungodly, is listening to the counsel of the Lord. We walk worthy of God's call on your life. Chapter 6, same book, says in uh, verse 11 to put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Secondly, we're not going to stand in the path of sinners. Instead, we're going to stand against the work of the devil. And we can't do that until 
we've done the action of putting on the full armor of God. Which requires the walk, right? To be prepared. And if you back up just a little bit to chapter 2, verse 6, it says, yeah. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where are we seated? In heaven with Jesus. He has seated us. There is a call to recognize your position. To keep your attitude in check and to be active in faith. These three ideas pretty much summarize Ephesians. And they summarize the opposite of the one who is not blessed. In other words, if you are blessed, you will do these things. If you want happiness, you need to follow these basic outline. Decide where you're going to sit, decide how you're going to walk, and stand firmly. And the result is what? Joy. Peace. That passes all understanding. I just want to challenge you today. If you are not happy, ask yourself if any of these areas or qualifications are not being met in your life. Examine yourself to show, to find whether you are in the will of God. And if you're not, change. Respond to his call to repent, to his chastisement to correct you and celebrate that he's willing to do that. To bring joy to your life. You need to sit down in the heavens. You need to stand for the truth. And you need to walk in his word. Father, we just lift you up. We thank you that you've called us to a holy calling to something greater than ourselves and you desire 
to form us into your image. We just ask for your correction, for your guidance. We want to be more like you and less like this world. Draw us closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen.